Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your fundraising success and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. His books range from successful online fundraising to use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. And now, here's Ted. Hey, good afternoon. It's great to have you here back on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, just a reminder for those of you who are uh, interested in asking a question of our terrific page two guest today, Paulette Myhara, the President and CEO of the Association of Fundraising Professionals. You can call in today and ask Paulette a question by dialing one three four seven. 3243080 uh, or if you're shy of course you can email me at tedhart at tedhart.com we've got a very full show today with a couple of guests coming in on page 1 lots of news today so as always uh, today is June 15th we are in the nation's capital and we start with page 1 news here on page one for the news today. Uh, last week, as you know, we had the folks from Giving USA who released the annual Giving USA report. For the first time in history, uh, we had a two-year decline in the total giving in the United States. Reported uh, from Giving USA, the giving declined 3.6% to $303.75 billion in 2009. Uh, uh, as Nancy Rabin uh, pointed out, one of the things that while the economy is bad and giving is down, one of the things that they were uh, very pleased to see is that giving did hold steady above the $300 billion mark. Well, today in the radio links you will find at tedhartradio.com, uh, you will find the radio links right there, and one of those is our announcement of our annual online giving estimate. Uh, and that is that, it, that online giving it does continue to grow, that while giving overall went down, we do find an estimate of 5.7% growth in online giving, uh, now bringing online giving in the United States to 
$15.48 billion, the United States representing slightly more than half of the online global digital market, uh, and now globally, online giving has now surpassed $30 billion. So read about it all over in the radio links at tedhartradio.com. Next up here in the radio links and on the page one news, uh, you will find a really terrific uh, report coming to us from Duke University's Sanford School of Public Policy. This is entitled Disrupting Philanthropy, Technology and the Future of the Social Sector. You'll find in this really terrific report uh, that they have analyzed social networking and some of the things that they find I want to share with you because I think that uh, in the conclusion, you'll find uh, some very interesting statements, and, and I'm going to quote directly from Disturbing Philanthropy right now. It is a scary time for many and a time of unprecedented opportunity for others. Just a few years ago, we could not have imagined using dispersed networks of cell phones to report on earthquake damage and relief operations. Doing so seems obvious now. We cannot foresee what the next application of technology technology to improving social conditions will be, but we will only be sure that it will seem obvious in retrospect. We have a lot of technology, and one of the things that they do a very good job uh, in, in noting in this study is that uh, through many independent actions, people are now able to build upon this information infrastructure that is being built for philanthropy and that we are now able to connect the long tail of donors, and again quoting uh, from this study, to the long tail of doers. So doers and donors, donors are now able to come together. They're able to connect on, and I love that phrase, the information infrastructure for philanthropy in the United States. Read all about it in this excellent study uh, from Duke University, and we've got a link to that so you can download it yourself right in the radio links at tedhartradio.com. Don't forget that you can dial in and ask a question of our speaker today. Paulette Myhara will be up on page two today, and she'll be able to be reached at 347-324-3080. Back to the news here from the Chronicle of Philanthropy, you'll find some good news in that downturn in philanthropy, and that is that pay for fundraisers grew last year for the first time since the recession started, that an average 4% increase from last year uh, has now been earned, uh, and this is due to a survey that was released um, earlier in May from the Association of Fundraising Professionals. And of course, we have Paulette Myhara as our page two expert today, so you'll get a chance to learn more about what the uh, Association of Fundraising Professionals knows about from this study. Uh, next up on the Philanthropy Journal uh, is a very interesting survey that has been done by Fenton Communications uh, for Insight Express. And what they learned is that charities continue to have a very strong support from the American public. That 53% of those who say that they want to support uh, the uh, uh, support charities continue to do so. But you've got to take the good with the bad because in the same study that you can read about over in the radio links at tedhartradio.com, you'll also find uh, a reduction uh, of 56% of those say that they also plan to cut cuts 
their donations to charitable organizations by 25%. So read all about this study, a little bit of good and bad. Certainly charities continue uh, to benefit from very good feelings of support uh, from the American public, but what we're seeing is the economy is getting the better of those who are able to write checks. Next up here uh, on the uh, on the nonprofit uh, uh, coach here is uh, we've got uh, uh, in the radio links you will find a uh, a link to uh, uh, some uh, research that uh, has just been done uh, and that's coming to us uh, through the good folks at Charity Lawyer. What they've done is they've taken a look at nonprofit bylaws and they're giving some very good advice here just released on June 7th of what to include and what not to include in your charity bylaws. So again, read all about that in the radio links at tedhartradio.com. I love this uh, new website, Charity Lawyer. Blog.com. Uh, next up, I've got uh, a very special guest coming to us uh, from the UK. Uh, we've got uh, David Senior, uh, who is the Director of Development for Action Planning. You'll find over in the radio links today a link to a series of very important conferences uh, that uh, David's group is hosting uh, throughout the UK. Uh, David, are you with us? I am indeed, Ted. Hello. Hey, David, great to have you here on The Nonprofit Coach. Uh, now, lots of things have changed. You have a new government uh, uh, in the UK, uh, and so your organization is getting out in front of that uh, to help charities understand what's going to be happening uh, for philanthropic support in the UK. Tell us what's going on, uh, who you've got as your, as your speakers, and I understand you're going to be uh, in London, Leeds, and Birmingham. So tell us all about it, David. Great. Well, uh, thanks, Ted. The, there's a lot of change uh, in the UK with uh, a new government coming in and uh, also with a budget next week, which is likely to uh, cut public spending in our country quite uh, substantially. It's a time of some uncertainty for charities because it's the statutory size of funding, the government funding, that's really grown big time uh, over the last 10 years. So uh, what we're going to do is we are taking three major theaters of 800 people coming uh, so far, which is probably quite small by U.S. standards, but we're quite uh, chuffed with it. And we are going to give people an intensive day with the government ministers. So we've got the new third sector minister, we've got the non-profit minister, we've got, uh, uh, the, 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 if you like, the labor um, organization guy who's going to get people back into work using the non-profit sector to get large numbers of people off the dole and back into work. So there'll be some very upbeat stuff with the government telling us about the ways in which they want to use this sector uh, to create what they call the big society. Uh, the big political idea in Britain is that uh, instead of having um, Whitehall sort of run everything from the centre, that we want to get decisions made locally. We want people to get together locally, identify local needs and produce solutions there. So um, the charity sector, the non-profit sector will be very important. So we've got the government, we've got the big um, uh, lottery funders, we've got the big trust funders, the foundations, talking about their work. Uh, and then we've got a package of help to help organizations to diversify their funding streams away from government money. Um, big gift philanthropy. Uh, and of course, you haven't said this, Ted, we're 
delighted that you're coming over to uh, to address us. Uh, I think we are some way behind you in the U.S. when it comes to online fundraising, um, but uh, you've inspired our audiences before, and there's a lot of excitement in the U.K. that you're addressing all three of these conferences. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, to that, and I uh, have always really enjoyed the uh, groups that uh, Action Planning brings together. Uh, David, uh, it's going to be great to be with you in London, Leeds, and Birmingham, and all the charities that you're bringing together. For our UK listeners or anyone who might be traveling to the UK and has interest in philanthropy uh, in the UK, uh, how can they register for these three series? That's very of kind. Our organization is called... Uh, uh, action planning. So the web um, uh, address is www.actionplanning.co.uk forward slash roadshow 2010. Terrific. And uh, for everyone who is listening today, uh, if you'd like to get more information, you can also find that link in our radio links today at tedhartradio.com. David, I can't thank you enough for uh, calling in uh, from, uh, from the UK. I'm looking forward to seeing you in just a couple of weeks uh, for what promises to be a really terrific opportunity for charities to learn how to succeed in this new philanthropic environment uh, in the UK. Thank you, David. Thank you, Ted. We're looking forward to seeing you. Take care. Bye. All right, back here on page one news, uh, what I want to share with you uh, next is a very interesting post from the Huffington Post. Uh, what they did is take a look at women and, and philanthropy uh, and where the myth, as they point out, is that men donate more money uh, to charity than women. Uh, perhaps this myth stays alive because most people don't think women are high-activity donors, but this is not true. And they go forward and they point out uh, that the top four philanthropists in India are all women, and I'm excited to know that because I will be uh, lecturing in India in August, so just uh, a few weeks from now, uh, but also here in the United States. Uh, a new book, uh, Half the Sky, uh, is uh, noted in this particular article, uh, and the, the point here is that organizations like Women's Funding Network and Global Fund for Women are providing real opportunities for women to make a big difference uh, in the philanthropic sector here in the United States and certainly around the world. So read all about it. Very well done. Lots of links to other resources. comes to us from the Huffington Post, and you'll find that in our radio links today. Uh, next up, if you remember last week, we talked to you about how Yahoo is now really creating a full integration uh, with Facebook, uh, and that uh, what they're rolling out are a lot of new services where you're going to be able to go back and forth between those two services, and that's really unprecedented to have that kind of integration. Well, we have a study today, or a report today, uh, from Mashable Social Media uh, where they're talking about how now LinkedIn is beefing up its integration with Twitter. So find that link in the radio links at tedhartradio.com. Uh, next up, here, I found this uh, to be very interesting because it's, it's a, a call for information, but also 
providing information comes to us from Chronicle of Philanthropy. And what they're doing is cataloging the current capital campaigns going on around the United States. But in addition to doing that, which quite honestly I'm surprised at the relatively low number of, uh, of capital campaigns that are noted here. Uh, some of them, of course, are very, very large, but I also know there's a lot of uh, capital campaigns not noted in this report. So what they're asking you to do is if you have updates or you have capital campaigns that are not noted, uh, to please email them at survey at philanthropy.com, and you can find that link again in the radio links at tedhartradio.com. Uh, next up here is uh, to remind you that following the show today at 3 p.m. Eastern is an opportunity uh, that I very much appreciate, provided to me by karma411.com. They're going to be hosting the nonprofit coach. I will be live in a webinar, which gives me an opportunity to really delve into some of these topics much deeper, but also to uh, give the uh, folks who are coming to this webinar, which is being provided and sponsored by Karma411 free of charge, you can find that link in our radio links today, so make sure you register uh, for the webinar on online fundraising and social networking taking place today at 3 p.m. Uh, to 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. So uh, now that we're talking about webinars, uh, I thought that this would be a really terrific opportunity uh, to bring in one of my dear friends uh, and someone who's been a very strong supporter of, uh, of this show. I believe we have uh, Clint O'Brien with us. Clint, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hey, Clint, thanks so much uh, uh, for joining us. Of course, uh, Clint is Vice President of Nonprofit Services for Care2.com. You'll find that at Care2.com. And they're a social action network with over 13 million do-gooders. Uh, but you've got an opportunity here to talk about another webinar. So, of course, we want everybody to participate in the Karma 411 webinar today. And then you've got a webinar uh, that's uh, taking place uh, is that on Wednesday of this week? No, actually it's Thursday. Thursday, I'm sorry, I had that wrong. On Thursday, you've got a webinar with another good friend of ours, uh, Beth Cantor, who is actually going to bring us out of the summer break and is going to be our first page two expert here on the Nonprofit Coach coming out of the break in September. But can you tell us all about what's being planned on Thursday with uh, Beth Cantor and Care2? Sure. Well, so uh, maybe some of your listeners know that Care2 holds a monthly expert webinar, and this month we've got a really exciting group of experts, and Beth is certainly the probably the best known of those experts. Beth Cantor, um, for anybody who doesn't know, is uh, a blogger. She writes Beth's blog, which has a tremendous following, and she's also CEO of a consulting firm, Zoetica. But um, Beth is something of a guru when it comes to the use of social media by nonprofits. And she and her co-author are both going to be guests on our, in our webinar Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, her co-author is Allison Fine, and together they've written a book called The Networked Nonprofit, Connecting with Social Media to Drive Change. And it's all about the shift away from being a standalone organization to working more like a network, listening more actively, interacting more energetically with constituents and supporters, um, and being you know, less, less putting the organization at the center of the universe and more putting the supporter at the center of the universe. And, and that's really something that's come into its own with social networking. 
Um, as if that weren't enough, we've got two other practitioners on the panel, and they are from uh, National Wildlife Federation and Autism Speaks. Uh, Mark Sirkin is Chief Community Officer of Autism Speaks, and Danielle Brigida is Social Media Outreach Coordinator for NWF. So we're thrilled to have four luminaries like that on the panel. Uh, my own uh, CARE2 colleague, Jocelyn Harmon, who's quite the blogger in her own right, is going to be the moderator. And it's not too late for anyone to register. In fact, by registering, you get to be eligible for a drawing to receive one of five free copies of uh, Beth and Allison's book, which is published just this month, by the way. It's a brand new book. So um, anybody who is interested in registering, probably the easiest way to do it is just send an email to me, and I'll send you back the link so you can register online. It's a free webinar, no cost at all. Uh, my email address is Clint at care2team.com. I'm going to spell that out. C-L-I-N-T at care2team, C-A-R-E, the number two, T-E-A-M.com. And I'll be happy to send you right back the link to register. We're really excited. You know, we've been running these webinars every month for a year and a half, and this is by far the most popular we've ever had. Um, and maybe that's because Beth is such a rock star. I don't know if people realize this. She has 300,000 Twitter followers which boggles my mind. I was proud to get out of the single digits in number of Twitter followers I have. So. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was proud to uh, go past 500. Uh, listen, I, 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 I did fail to uh, make a big deal about another person that you have on this webinar, Danielle Brigida, who is one of the co-authors of uh, one of my new books, The Nonprofit Guide to Going Green. Uh, so uh, please say uh, hello to uh, Danielle for me. Uh, and uh, Clint, I can't thank you enough for coming on board. Uh, you've always been very supportive of the nonprofit coach. We're wishing you and the entire team great success on Thursday. Uh, everyone, if you want to uh, participate in uh, this webinar, don't forget to uh, email Clint at Clint at care2team.com. Clint, thanks for coming on the nonprofit coach today. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, back here, we're going to just wrap up page one because we've got a bang-up uh, opportunity for you to speak personally uh, and hear from Paulette Myhara, the President and CEO of the Association of Fundraising Professionals. Don't forget, you can call in to 347-324-3080, uh, and you'll be prompted to press the number one to raise your hand. That will tell me on the switchboard here that you would like to ask a question. Finally, here on uh, page one of the nonprofit Profit coach today is a very interesting study from the chron or a, a report from the Chronicle of Philanthropy where they're talking about how Twitter is now getting into the game uh, at annual events. Uh, there is an organization, Thompson Child and Family Focus. You can read all about their. Twitter table. And what they did is they brought Twitter into their annual fundraising gala. Read all about it. They raised more than $4,000, and that's a great combination of social philanthropy and offline special events. Next is a really terrific new website that you've got to uh, check out. This is uh, an innovative approach from Pew Charitable Trust. It's called Subsidy Scope. And what this does is gives you inside look into federal assistance to nonprofit organizations, uh, how much money is being given, and how grants uh, can be obtained. Terrific new site. And of course, you'll get a link to that uh, in the radio links today at tedhartradio.com. 
Uh, next up, I've just got two pieces here, uh, and one leads right into Paulette Myhara. GuideStar has its nonprofit economic survey going on right now. Just started on June 14th. It's only going to go to June 28th. We want to ask you to please be part of this because the GuideStar report is a very important one. Now, it is a lot of questions. There's 27 questions, and they are telling you right up front that it will take a little bit of time. But you know, if we want the data to be able to make decisions in the nonprofit sector, then those of us who are in the sector have got to provide the data uh, to these kinds of surveys. So please go to the radio links today, find the GuideStar Nonprofit Economic Survey, take that survey, uh, and do your part to help make sure that these reports are full and accurate. Now this brings me right into another survey that's being done right now by the Association of Fundraising Professionals and the Center for Ethical Business Cultures. Now you can find the link in the radio links, but what I'm going to do is get right on to uh, page two with our page two guest and let Paulette tell us all about this partnership in the survey that's going on. So let's move on to page two. I could not be more excited about having Paulette Myhara as our page two guest today on the Nonprofit Coach. Paulette and I uh, go back a long, long way and have been uh, uh, colleagues in the nonprofit sector for a very long time. Uh, her uh, uh, time as president and CEO of AFP has uh, seen a lot of growth for this organization. So don't forget you can call in and ask Paulette a question today at 347 324-3080, or you can email me questions at tedhart at tedhart.com. Uh, Paulette, are you with us here on the Nonprofit Coach? Yes, I am. Thank you, Ted. Nice to hear your voice. Hey, Paulette, it's great to have you on the show. I understand you're uh, fresh coming back from a wonderful cruise that included a stop in Turkey. Is that right? Uh, Turkey and Israel and Egypt. Um, very, very exciting, and uh, but it's nice to be back. Well, it's good to have you here. Now, I'm going to start off by uh, asking you about this survey that you folks just put out. I understand that there's a, a partnership to gather information with the Center for Ethical Business Cultures. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this and, uh, and tell us what you're hoping you'll learn from this survey if uh, you get a good turnout uh, from, uh, from members and non-members of AFP? Uh, yes, Ted, thank you very much. Um, this survey is the, the data, I should say, from this survey is going to be used as a platform for an, an online ethical assessment tool that we will be rolling out at the, hopefully, the uh, last quarter of this year. Uh, this is a product that our ethics committee has been working on now for uh, about 18 months. And so we're very excited about it. The partnership with the Center for, um, uh, ethical, business, um, for, for ethical Business Cultures has, is a terrific partner, and, um, and we hope that people will participate. Uh, the bottom line is, as I said, will lead to the creation of an online ethical assessment tool. 
Well, that's, of course, very important. And uh, AFP, very early on, and it's just celebrating its 50th anniversary. So congratulations to AFP. Uh, really made its mark and staked its claim in the ethical use of fundraising practices. So can you uh, expand beyond this survey and talk about the culture of ethics at AFP and what that's grounded in for AFP? Well, thank you. Um, the ethical code was really the hallmark, or the creation of that code was really the hallmark, uh, uh, I think, accomplishment over the last 50 years, or certainly one of them, for the profession. Um, you, there are three fundamentals for any profession. One of those fundamentals is a code of ethics. And so our, four, our founders, our four founders, uh, focused very heavily on the importance of having a code of ethics uh, leading up to creating fundraising that was an advocation or perhaps a passion or a calling into a true profession. Uh, and the AFP code has been in existence now for almost 50 years. Um, the first year of its life was dedicated to the creation of it, so I would say it's, it's in its 49th year. Uh, but it has been used as the platform for every existing code of ethics uh, in the fundraising world uh, since its inception. And so it, it has been, I think, a truly fundamental and guiding document for the entire profession worldwide. Well, it certainly has distinguished uh, AFP, which is now under your leadership, uh, gone on and has grown tremendously. Can you give us a, a sense of, in the time that you've been there, you've grown both in members and in chapters, so your global influence has really changed as well? Uh, it has, Ted. Um, I believe when I came to AFP 13 years ago, we had about 17,000 members. Um, we're 30,000 today, and um, we are, we've topped over 200 chapters worldwide. In fact, we just um, approved a chapter in Egypt at our last board meeting uh, in April in, in your home city of Baltimore. Um, and so we're very excited about the additional uh, international chapter to the AFP family. But we have grown significantly, and part of that growth, I think, is really mirrored what's gone on in the nonprofit uh, NGO sector around the world, which has, as you well know, grown significantly. Um, and so AFP has benefited from the growth of the entire sector. Um, and so I, I think, you know, it, we also have very dedicated volunteers in our chapters who worked very hard at putting forward uh, very timely um, educational programming that really makes a difference to the members on the ground. Well, and and, uh, and and as you mentioned, philanthropy is growing, and you have you and I have had the opportunity of visiting and working with charities around the world. I think uh, uh, we've uh, beyond uh, Baltimore, we saw each other before that in uh, in Australia. I know you travel around the world, uh, and the the world does look to us, as David Senior just shared. Uh, Action planning has me coming over and doing a series of of lectures there uh, to help in the UK. I'll be doing a, a series of lectures in South Africa. Um, can you give a sense of 
the, the curriculum or the content and how that comes together at AFP to really create those centers of excellence uh, for not only around the world to learn from, but of course we have a, a thriving uh, nonprofit sector here in the United States as well. AFP is really blessed, I think, to have so many members who are more than willing to give their time and expertise uh, to develop these tremendous educational products that I think we have. Um, we have over 450 volunteer members who give their time and talent to um, AFP, but more importantly to the benefit of their uh, colleagues around the world. And so we're really, truly uh, fortunate to have professionals who are willing to give that kind of time and expertise. Um, you've certainly done that yourself over the years, Ted, and, and it truly makes a difference to, in, to colleagues who are coming into the field new, who uh, don't know uh, some of the basics or, or sometimes don't even know the right questions to ask. So uh, we're really fortunate to have so many volunteer leaders um, in so many different disciplines that are willing to give their time and expertise. And you certainly do bring experts from all over the world, and I've always been very uh, impressed by the, the kinds of groupings that, uh, that you bring together. Of course, the hallmark of that is your international conference, uh, and I was uh, very pleased, and thank you for inviting me to present in Baltimore, and I served on the host committee. Uh, Paulette, where is your next big uh, conference uh, here in the United States? And then you do also have other gatherings um, that, that your office hosts as well. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. Uh, and our next international conference will be in Chicago in 2011. Uh, that's um, the, the, the large conference that we do every year. But another really important conference, um, and I, it's not a conference as much as it is a summit, that brings together the heads of the international fundraising bodies from around the world. We've done one of those summits every other year. We will be holding another fundraising summit in, the, in London in July. Uh, and the, out of that uh, discussion over the years, we were, we were able to develop something called the International, International Statement of Ethical Principles which is a document that is a roadmap for any culture, any country that is getting into fundraising uh, and developing a philanthropic culture, or I should say a nonprofit culture, um, that can be used. Uh, and this document is signed off on by some 32 countries around the world. And it was truly an amazing feat. Um, to, ha to accomplish, and certainly now I have a much better appreciation of what the United Nations goes through to uh, achieve anything. But um, we will be having another one of those summits uh, in July, and, and that's the, the dialogue for this summit will be looking at the next iteration of the international statement, uh, which was focused for individuals, and we are now looking at uh, how that statement might focus for, or be a focus for organizational um, or, or, or nonprofit organizations around the world. Uh, and also looking at the whole area of credentialing 
and what that might look like from an international perspective. And, so uh, and Paula, the, 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 so the, the, the London uh, activity that you have, is this in conjunction with the Institute of Fundraising, or is this a separate piece that AFP is doing in London? Um, it is. In, it's in conjunction with the Institute of Fundraising's uh, national convention. The conveners, it is a separate uh, summit, however. The conveners of the summit are both AFP, the Institute of Fundraising, and the Fundraising Institute of Australia. We have served as the conveners uh, since the inception of the summit, and um, it is a separate meeting, but it is contained and housed within uh, one of the three conveners' uh, national meetings. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so that it's it's held at the same because I know the uh, Institute of Fundraising National Convention is July 9 through the 11 in London. So this is sort of in conjunction with that, and you're bringing people from all over the world, uh, uh, and you're helping convene that. Is that is that the that, correct that way to view that? That is correct. It'll be held on July the 7th. Anyone's invited to. Um, uh, to listen, to be an observer to the dialogue. So if you happen to be in London attending the Institute's meetings, or even if you're not, um, you can certainly get in touch with me at uh, uh, pmyhara at afpnet.org, and we can certainly uh, give you the logistical information if you would like to observe these discussions. It is, it is a very interesting um, meeting, and... Um, and we're looking forward to it. Well, terrific. Paulette, we do have a, a caller for you, um, so I want to get right to our caller. Uh, caller, area code 503. You are live with the nonprofit coach. Paulette Mihara is our guest here on page two. Uh, you're now live. Go ahead, caller. Good morning, Paulette and Ted. Charles McLean with Philanthropy Now in Green Portland, Oregon. Kudos first on giving voice to the issues that matter. Two questions that Katya Andreessen of Network for Good and I have been noodling on. One is, what are some of the innovations that combine social networking and technology um, specifically for disaster response? And secondly, how can ongoing relationships be fostered with, with those who give once using those tools? Let's take those one at a time, Paulette. I know that uh, on your website, uh, certainly uh, afpnet.org, you're very uh, integrated into social media. Uh, can you give us a sense of what AFP itself is doing? And I think, Charles, you're asking specifically when it comes to disaster relief, uh, is there a role that AFP uh, provides to its members or to the community? Well, I think the role that AFP provides is one of really providing the information, providing the education, and the tools that will help um, both our members and non-members do their jobs and do their jobs well. Um, what I find so fascinating is that and in the Haiti relief efforts, for instance, um, the uh, texting contributions was extremely popular, and you saw that almost every time you turned on a TV. Um, I was in Jakarta visiting our, uh, attending our Asia chapter leadership retreat in Jakarta, and what I discovered there is that our members in Jakarta have been using cell phone technology for probably five years now very successfully. 
and have mm-hmm. clearly worked out the kinks. And um, so obviously we have people who have been there and done that, and uh, we, we do have access to that kind of knowledge and expertise, which is, again, AFP providing that facilitation role. Uh, so our role really is to provide the tools and education that will help members do their jobs well. As it relates to the second part of uh, uh, Charles's question, which is how to, you know, foster those relationships, you know, it, it's just basic stewardship, in my opinion, uh, and doing that job and doing it well. And, and I believe there was an article in one of the, I think it was the, one of the May editions of Chronicle of Philanthropy, talking about organizations really beginning to focus resources on that mid-level donor uh, and making sure that you are, one, stewarding that mid-level donor by either having staff that do nothing but shepherd those mid-level donors, um, because as we all know, uh, keeping a donor is a lot less expensive than acquiring a new donor. And, And and so I think basic stewardship is really critical to fostering relationships. And in, in large numbers, that's harder to do. I understand that. But there are some pretty easy communication tools using um, the web uh, presence today that will allow organizations to have the continuing personal touch to donors. Um, right. So I, I think and, and, of course, uh, and Paulette, I, I, I was just going to uh, let our, our listeners know uh, that you, uh, AFP, has uh, kindly uh, uh, posted to your website, uh, and I believe, Charles, this may be the, the genesis of, of your question, is that, Charles, you've done work um, in this area and have created a checklist uh, at, at no cost to nonprofits, donors, and governments uh, on this issue of a direct response checklist, which is posted to the AFPnet.org uh, website uh, and is downloadable. And this is a, a full 20-page uh, checklist, uh, I believe, Charles, that you've created in uh, connection with uh, a foundation that you've been working with. So since you sort of brought this up, do you want to just take a, a minute to share with us what has AFP posted for you, what's the significance of it, and for our listeners, why might they want to download this checklist? AFP for me is always a, a first place to go for resources. As Paul had alluded to, education starts there, and tools to do it well. The checklist is designed to assist donors and NGOs do more good and not harm. It's a very complex issue, has much to be learned with collaboration on the ground, and the checklist is designed to be a very practical tool uh, for donors to make better decisions and for NGOs to better partner. Uh, It's available, as mentioned, as a free PDF, and the Rockham Foundation was the partner in producing it. So thanks for the chance to Charles, make it available as a no-cost PDF. Charles, does this relate to the AFP Code of Ethics in terms of some of the the issues that you might be raising? I'm, I'm just wondering, you're saying uh, you want people to do it right, but you're also concerned about them doing it wrong. Are there elements there that, that tie into AFP on the ethical side, since uh, certainly Paulette and I have been discussing uh, AFP's important work in that area? Great underpinning, great question. Certainly in giving, there's always the question of, 
is this giving consistent with the organization or the individual's giving mission? Have we really thought through the intended and perhaps some of the unintended consequences and learned from the experience of so many others? And you had a second question as well in terms of ongoing relationships um, being fostered. Uh, is, did, did we deal with that enough? I know we were talking about the social networking and then uh, moved on to, to talk about the checklist that you've created. But specifically uh, for Paulette today, did you have a follow-up question regarding relationships? That, that human need to contribute uh, and the ease of contributing to a disaster using Twitter online options. Any outreach you found effective, Paulette, or that your members have found effective in taking that first giving experience and more deeply bonding and bringing into conversation, bringing into relationship that donor for the long haul? Uh, Charles, I think that's, that's a good question, and uh, I think that certainly what I've heard from members. Um, one, it, it's a challenge to do it in, as, as you know, oftentimes giving in a, a disaster situation is very emotional. Uh, but those members who are, again, going back to the stewardship issue, those members who are paying attention to those donors um, either through specific resources focused on those donors and what those donors may or may not be interested in, um, and you know, tailoring the, co the communication based on the donor interest, I think is certainly one way I've heard members uh, retaining those donors uh, for a longer term, not necessarily immediately upgrading those donors, but retaining them, and I think that's an extremely important aspect of of the issue. Absolutely. Charles, thank you so much uh, for, for calling in today and your very thought-provoking uh, uh, questions. And again, compliments to you and, and the work that you do uh, to support uh, AFP's Code of Ethics and, uh, and, and specific the recent work that you've done in the area of disaster. So again, thank you for calling in here to the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, Paulette, we're uh, back here. Um, I want to follow up on what Charles raised uh, with a question that uh, comes to us via email. Uh, and and that's uh, uh, Debbie from Chicago uh, is specifically asking, what is the role of social networking and fundraising? I, I gather she's picking up on the fact that AFP is sort of uh, central in a lot of ways here in the United States for, uh, for education. And, and maybe uh, what is the balance that, that you're recommending, if you are recommending, or what are you seeing in, uh, in the education cycles at AFP in terms of the role of social networking? Well, we're certainly seeing more demand for information and educational products about social networking and the very question that Debbie asked, and what is the role, what is the appropriate role, what is the appropriate balance. Um, you alluded, I think you talked a little bit about this earlier, Ted, as I was listening to you, uh, about online giving and the fact that it has grown. And what was interesting of note to me, and I've watched this number uh, in our state of fundraising survey that we do every year, I've watched the online giving number grow. Uh, and what was really interesting last year, of all of the areas of fundraising that we look at in our state of fundraising survey, uh, online giving was the only area that actually grew. Uh, and, and in terms of raising more money than it had done in the prior year, 
that number was 60% uh, of our members saying they were raising more money online than uh, they had done in the prior year, which was which is steadily grown every year that we have um, asked this question. Um, back in 2006, that number was 87% were raising more money. So I think the message here is that social media, online giving, those tools, online tools, are extremely important and cannot be ignored. Um, yeah. You know, what balance they take in your overall fundraising program is really a question you have to answer for yourself. But I think if you ignore it, you ignore it at your peril. I absolutely agree with you. And, and when you take into account the Giving USA report and then the, the report that we just uh, uh, released for online giving, the five major areas uh, for, for fundraising being uh, individuals, bequests, foundations, corporations, and, and now online, the only two that grew last year were corporations and online. Uh, and I, I'm not sure the significance of the corporate piece here, but I think for charities, the point that you're making that, uh, and the point that, that I continue to make is that social media is not fundraising by itself, uh, but it does help you build the community through which you can fundraise, and that brings it back to sort of the traditional messages that AFP uh, brings forward um, to get that basic underpinning of having that sense of community before you can even raise any money. Yes. I completely agree, Ted. Um, and, I, and I know part of what you do, and, and, uh, and, and uh, uh, Robbie Healy has been very uh, uh, instrumental in this, and I was very pleased uh, to get a chance to see her and spend a few moments with her at the 50th anniversary celebration in New York uh, last week. Um, can you talk to us about where the, sort of the, this basics of fundraising uh, uh, program that, if, if I'm not inaccurate. I think uh, Robbie lent a lot of uh, energy to bringing that to fruition, uh, and that, now that's really become a, a, a core part of what you do. Is that correct? Uh, yes. It's the Are you talking about the fundamentals of... Um, fundamentals, yeah. The, the fundamentals of fundraising. Yes. That, that program was actually initiated by our Philadelphia chapter, I want to say it was six, seven years ago now. Uh, it was um, funded or the part of the funding for the initiation of the fundamentals modules came from the Philadelphia Community Foundation and uh, they then turned the product over to AFP and we have since built on that product and just rolled it out again in a revised updated format uh, and uh, there again it is the product of many of our uh, colleagues, uh, time, talent, and expertise uh, that have brought this updated product to fruition. So we're very excited about it, and um, I, I think those um, chapters that are using the product also feel that it is um, very beneficial. And Paula, isn't that part of the secret of success uh, at AFP that uh, you you have this chapter system and you have people that are close to the fundraisers, close to the, the donor communities that bring those messages forward? I'm, I'm mindful of when I served uh, on your board and on your foundation board, the influence of the Canadian chapters was growing at that time and that it's only grown over time. Um, but certainly you provide the mechanism for them to not only feel 
feel a part of AFP, which at that point was very U.S.-based, but also to have a voice. And, and doesn't that really distinguish AFP from maybe some other organizations? Oh, I think so, Ted. I think the wisdom of our founders in creating the chapter structure was, um, was genius. And it has been, I think, the reason for our success and the reason for our growth. Um, there is a local presence. There are people on the ground to talk to, to see in person, not just you know look at over the website. Uh, and that, I think, really does make a difference. Um, and that's the same whether it's in Jakarta, Indonesia, Cairo, Egypt, or uh, Toronto, Canada. Uh, and the world is a global world today, and I, I, would, I would say fun fundraising is not immune to the, go uh, to the global community. Now, Paulette, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the clock here. You've been very generous with your time, but uh, I'm, I'm also mindful of the fact that you've had tremendous growth. You have over 30,000 members, uh, but I, I imagine like any organization, you're interested in more members. Uh, can, you, can you give us sort of the elevator uh, pitch on why someone should join AFP and then go ahead and tell them how they can join AFP? Well, thank you. Um, the, the elevator uh, speech it's pretty short and simple. I think um, anyone who is coming into or is in the profession wants to stay on top of what the latest techniques are, uh, learn from your peers, and your ability to do that is through a local chapter network of AFP. And it's easy, very easy to join. Um, you can do that at www.afpnet.org. Uh, and you click on the join mem uh, join uh, the membership tab and join and just follow the prompts. It's pretty simple. Uh, but the educational products that are developed uh, internationally and at the local level are excellent ways of staying in touch and learning about the profession, but more importantly, staying on top of the new techniques that are are happening every single day, like all of the social media, uh, even for the very seasoned professional. Well, and, and Paulette, for, for all of our listeners uh, today, if you didn't get that link, we will add it to the radio links today, uh, so you can go directly there to uh, join. We'll also add uh, your ethics survey uh, that you're looking for folks to fill out to the radio links today, so it will be very easy for folks to find that right at tedhartradio.com. Uh, Paulette, as you look forward uh, in philanthropy, and of course you're a central figure uh, in the nonprofit sector, what do you see? We see social media. Are there other trends that you see? Are there traditional and offline trends that are significant? Or is online really the most significant trend that you're seeing right now? Well, in terms of the types of fundraising online and the social media tools uh, are, are probably the most significant. But I think there's another issue that's facing the profession, and it's not the, the fundraising profession is not the only profession that will be facing this, but we have a critical shortage today and will have in the future of fundraising professionals. And, and when I speak to members and non-members uh, around the world, I always encourage our members to look at the next generation of po uh, potential fundraising professionals because we need them. 
Uh, and we need them now, but we will need them even more in the future. We simply don't have enough now to go around, and um, it is a wonderful profession, as we both know, to be in. So yeah. I think it is our responsibility to grow the next generation, and I do worry a lot about that. So, And, and, and of course, your, your study that just came out from AFP, I guess, is good news uh, in that even in a down economy, fundraising salaries were up. Yes, I, I think that is a bit of good news, uh, and I think it's also a recognition that fundraising, you know, just doesn't happen. There is a there is a professional element to fundraising, and I believe that that's a recognition of the fact that organizations and most organizations understand that. Absolutely. Well, Paula, you're doing such important work at AFP, and I'm thrilled to know that it is growing uh, and continues to represent the ethical underpinning and the educational needs of uh, nonprofit executives around the world now. Uh, final message from you, Paulette. What's the most important thing on your plate right now? Coming back from vacation, what faces Paulette Mahara when she comes back to the office? The deluge of emails. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there, there we are, tied right back to digital media, <laughs> online giving, and social media. Uh, thank you, Paulette Myhara, for joining us here on The Nonprofit Coach, our page two expert. Thank you to our caller and those that have emailed in. Paulette, you have a wonderful summer, and thank you again for joining us here today. Thank you, Ted, and thank you for... Wasn't she just terrific? Here we are on page three. Just a couple of quick notes uh, for you, uh, and that is uh, where can you find Ted this week? I will be in Meriden, Connecticut, uh, speaking uh, to uh, uh, the group there on Nonprofit Guide to Going Green. So I'm very, very pleased uh, to have the opportunity to speak to uh, the Connecticut chapter of, uh, of AFP. And then I'll be moving on on Friday. I'll be with the Finger Lakes chapter of uh, AFP speaking at their conference, uh, and certainly uh, these groups are always looking for folks to come, uh, and uh, you'll find the uh, fundraising conference in Owego, New York, uh, on Friday, June 18th. It's been a pleasure being with you today. I want to make sure that uh, you know what's coming up next uh, on the Nonprofit uh, uh, Coach, and next week we will be back on Tuesday with another terrific opportunity, uh, and that is our uh, expert uh, for uh, Tuesday, June 22nd, back here at 12 noon, is Patricia Pascal, Director of the Washington Office of the Foundation Center. So if you need any money, looking for grant support, and all the information that's available from the Foundation Center, have no fear. We've got the expert here on the Nonprofit Coach. Make sure that you're back here and you join us next week right here on the Nonprofit Coach. Thanks so much, everybody. Enjoy your week. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. 
I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.